This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome everybody under the dome with CD getting underway. Welcome back to the show. Not quite an hour and 15 minutes like last week. We are super sized. A two hour, 15 minute trek leading you up to a little NCAA college hoops. How you doing? Coming to you live as always from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. Appreciate you listening in however you're doing, so be it through that old school FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Ooh, yeah, appreciate you listening in as well if you're listening through the mobile app, smart speakers, or even the old dot com. Go check it out, 1037thegame.com. And if you miss any of the show, we will have it up on demand before too long. However, you listen to your podcasts, we got, we got all kinds of different places available but appreciate you listening to us whether you know you're you're drinking that second cup of coffee maybe you got a long day ahead of you i know i definitely do gonna be going to cover the cajuns game not too long after i sign off here hopefully you know the kind of good juju i'm having right now outside the first south farm credit series except keeping that that press pass pretty clean and pretty pristine making sure that thing is on point, I got Joe Boo right next to it. Nobody's drinking the rum, so that way we can have a little bit of good vibrations. Because last week, when I wore that thing, not exactly the best look in the world. But you know what? It is what it is. Sometimes things do happen. But let's go ahead and get this party started off right with what's causing all this for me on a Louisiana Saturday afternoon. And it is time for your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. The New Orleans Saints have to fix a lot of issues in the NFL draft. And I think a lot of it's just due to the fact that, you know, they don't have enough room in the salary cap to kind of really work. I understand salary cap is meaningless when it comes to one Mickey Loomis, but for me, I think this team has kind of screwed themselves over the last few years with the Drew Brees hometown discounts and, of course, justifiably having to break off players like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara if they want to remain a contender in the long term. And at the end of the day, that's what this team's goal is in 2021 and going forward is to remain a contender for winning a championship. Is it possible for them to fall below that mark? Of course. I've seen that happen many a time, especially after what happened after losing to Seattle in that 2013 playoffs, then you saw them go from being, you know, one of the best in the business to being towards the bottom of the barrel, seven to nine for three straight years. 
You all know my opinion on Taysom Hill being the starter, and I can't honestly see anything changing my mind about that between now and the first week of the preseason. It's Jameis Winston's job to lose, and I think he'll show how well that LASIK surgery worked. I've been very pessimistic on Jameis over the years. You all know this, but damn it, I'll give him a shot to prove me wrong. But if he fails here, I think he's done. His career will be over and done with when it's all said and done. So obviously with that in mind, I don't think the Saints will go with a first-round pick at quarterback. Besides, I mentioned the fact that last week, after you get past the first four or five, you see a clear dip. And in terms of getting guys with value, I'd say wait until day two. There's a lot of day two prospects out there. Sam Ellinger is at least one guy that I think you should at least look at. I know Sean Payton talked about Ian Book on the Dan Patrick Show a couple weeks ago. He's a guy that I think is worthwhile getting. And honestly, let's just throw it out there. Mac Jones is not worth trading up to get because it feels like he is going to be a top 10 pick. I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts lately. And speaking of that, it's bringing me to the crux of my rant because I've been running a lot of simulations the last few days on Pro Football Network's mock draft machine because that's what I like to do sometimes. Just go ahead and hit the simulate button and we're going to go ahead and see what happens with the Saints in the first round. And this is probably going to be a controversial take here, but there's zero reason why the Saints should be taking an offensive player in the first round of the NFL draft this year, especially, especially at wide receiver. I feel like that's going to be a huge mistake to do that. The team has shown they've been able to make later round undrafted free agents look really good over the last 15 years or so with Drew Brees at the helm. Imagine how that changes when you have someone like Winston that has an howitzer for an arm. It can kind of change this team's offensive game plan. I think we see Jameis Winston look like he did back when he was at Florida State. There's a chance where this thing could wind up looking better. And he could wind up making these guys look better because you actually have somebody that can throw the football a little bit more than just simply slant routes. Maybe Slant Boy can wipe that moniker off of him. And that'd be absolutely fantastic to see that actually happen. The other thing is, there needs to be a clear focus. And I've talked about this last week at the end of the show. Is there needs to be a clear-cut focus on the defensive side of the football in the third, in the first round. And in my mind, I mentioned J.C. Horn last week, but he is moving up those draft boards. His draft stock on the rise as of late. Feels like a tough one to pull off because I've seen him go into that top 15 range, top 18, top 20. And again, Saints have shown a tendency to move up in the draft to get their guy. But I'm just, in the sake of 28th overall pick, I don't think it's worth it really to kind of move up because you're probably going to have to give up a little bit more than just that first round pick. You probably have to give up one of your compensatories and maybe, just maybe, get give up something from next year's draft. I'm not here to talk about next year's draft. I'm here to talk about the here and bleeping now. And I think that's where they need to go. Be on the defensive side of the football. And there's three things. I mentioned last week, before we took you to LSU basketball, when they took on St. Bonaventure. But I think there are three positions they need to be focused in on 100% and honed in on. It's the first pick, and I'll go in order. Linebacker, 
edge rusher, secondary. A couple draft sims I had popped up. Jason Owe, shout out to hashtag we are Penn State's own. He was really impressive in the Nittany Lions Pro Day. Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network has him ranked 33rd in his top 50. He had a 4.3640. Yes, it's the Underwear Olympics, but still, it's pretty damn impressive. It's not necessarily as great as what we saw with with BYU's QB, who wound up like absolutely throwing a 70-yard bomb, Pat Mahomes-esque. That was very impressive, by the way. He is definitely going to be a top three guy. It's just a debate of who is it? Is it going to be BYU or is it going to be Ohio State's Justin Fields? Names escape me right now, the BYU quarterback off top. But he looked good, albeit in a small sample size last year. Thanks a lot, Big Ten. Would have loved to see him a little bit more. But the fact that we have an edge rusher being considered, I'm okay with that. Because I think that's right there. Linebackers, I don't think there's too many that are going to wind up being like first round right now, two day starters. Day two, though, I think you'll wind up getting a lot more bang for your buck. And then secondary, I think that's the other focus. You need to try and get some guys, especially in day two, because you can get a day three wide receiver in a UDFA that could probably turn out to be really good if you're the New Orleans Saints. Because they've shown themselves to be consistently one of the best when it comes to turning these nothings into something. Yes, you've had somebody like a Drew Brees help kind of light the way, but who's to say that somebody like a Jameis Winston can't do the same? I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. And I'd say, you know, if he's there at 28 and you don't have to trade up to get somebody like that and Jason Oway from Penn State is right there, again, shout out to hashtag we are. I'd say I wouldn't hate it. But one guy that kept popping up a couple times is Kadarius Tony, wide receiver out of Florida. Don't get me wrong, I think it'd be fun because you'll have Chauncey Gardner Johnson not have to be, he could probably avoid jaw jacking with somebody getting another fight again, like he did with Michael Thomas, which is still a funny thing in and of itself. But I'm looking forward to see what the future holds for a lot of these guys. And the biggest thing for me is to see how this draft shakes out for the Saints. Because this is probably one of the most important drafts the franchise has. Because you're building for the future. And if you're going to go ahead and stick with your guns and go with Jameis Winston, if he fails, then Taysom Hill, you've got to have some real firepower. At the end of the day, Cam George's not not getting any younger. He needs to have somebody... That's kind of ringside that can actually help him and really mold him into his own being. I think you need to have everybody ready to go. And this is the way you're going to do it with defensive minded draft. The last couple of years, you've gone offensive line. And offensive line, that's a fine thing to do. I have no qualms about getting guys in the draft. I think there's no way that you can get a wide receiver. Offensive line, offensive tackle, fine. Go do that again. Because, hell, you never know when Teron Armstead is going to get injured. I think it's a perfectly good idea to pull something like that off. But just no wide receivers, no running backs. In fact, I saw I did a mock draft, and I saw you know Alabama's running back pop up in the right. No, no, why do we need another running back? I get it. You know, 
I think they could get one later in the in the like I said, day two or even day three. There's a guy named Elijah Mitchell that could probably wind up falling into that slot. There's something to be said about that. That being said, I think the New Orleans Saints are setting up really nicely, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things turn out for the black and gold. And if you disagree with me, 337-706-0111 is the number to dial. If you think that you have a better idea of what this team needs, hey, call me up. Because I've got some pointed thoughts about a lot of different positions. I think, obviously, quarterback's out of the question because you've already got two. You don't need to get a Garrett Grayson-esque player. I mean, again, if a guy like Sam Ellinger is available, take him. I, I'm saying, like, if somebody is there that can be really good in day two, do it. But day one needs to be a focus on getting a day one starter, and I think you can get somebody late in the first round without having to move up. I know the Saints love to do that, and I'm sure they will, but just for the sake of the argument, at 28, I don't necessarily think they need to go with a wide receiver or a running back. Need to go get somebody to be an edge linebacker. I think those are your. That's my one A one B. One and then, then right behind that, it's going to be secondary because I think you need more secondary depth as opposed to secondary talent. As in terms of right now today, is I think you can develop some guys. You've proven yourself to be good developers of talent over the years. That's my biggest thing. When it comes right down to it. All right, it's on the Dome with CD 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the 1037 the game hotline, talk about the Saints or whatever else we're gonna get into. Gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. And we'll start we'll kind of keep it NFL draft centric because the Miami Dolphins made a lot of moves, playing some 3D chess. I'll talk about that next as they move around in the NFL draft. And my reactions to that and so much more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. considered world famous but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us just don't talk to him while he's eating lay up there i'm starving now back to under the dome on 1037 the game acadiana's sports station yeah i think it's just best if you don't talk to me while i'm eating welcome back to under the dome with cd on acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com because man it's like i'm not i don't get angry people just talk to me when I'm eating but it's like you know just let me be then again nowadays with the world of COVID it's like I don't normally go out to eat per se I'm just like hey let me go ahead and grab something I'm gonna sit in my truck for a little bit nobody's gonna bother me and I'll go ahead and be on my merry way that's my whole thing I guess that's just how it is these days hopefully you're having a good Saturday afternoon Appreciate you listening in. 337-706-0111. And guess what? You can win a new 2021 Ford Bronco by spending only $20. $20. Buy a raffle ticket to win one of the hottest, I don't mean hottest vehicles on the market. 
at broncoraffle.com. Tickets, sales of benefit, nonprofit, Catholic Radio, KLFT, and the drawing will be held at May 15th. But tickets, they are limited, so make sure you get yours in now. You can enter in, once again, at broncoraffle.com or at Hub City Ford or at the Delta Media Studios Monday through Friday. In fact, I drove by Hub City Ford on my way over here. Look, they have a little car show, and it looks really cool. And again, great to see those kind of things back in our lives in 2021. A lot of old school cars, and I love that kind of stuff. I've started to realize as I'm getting a little bit older, I dig looking at some of those like old school like hot rods, those kind of things, those hot rod car shows that we used to do back in the gap. That kind of stuff's awesome. And I wish we had like more of that kind of stuff. But again, you know, maybe once more and more of the whole COVID stuff lets up, we can actually have those. But if you want to have a brand new Ford Bronco, buy a raffle ticket for only $20 at broncoraffle.com, Hub City Ford, or the Delta Media Studios during the week. Obviously, nobody's here at the Delta Media Studios in the front office. Just, you know, this cat over here, then our intern, Greg, is in the house. But I wouldn't mind that. But make sure you can enter to win because I can't. You can enter to win a new 2021 Ford Bronco presented by Hub City Ford. A lot of big news involving the city of Miami the last 24 hours. In fact, recently in the last couple hours. Howard Schnellenberger, former University of Miami head coach and really the architect of what we call the U. Like, he absolutely got that team set up, up when their first national title back in 1983. Then, if not for the USFL and their Melvin Ways, because he actually signed on to become, he resigned to become part owner, president, general manager, and head coach. Basically, he was Jackie Moon in semi-pro to a certain extent for the USFL's team, the Spirit of Miami, where the Washington Federals relocated. But then the USFL said, Swerved. Now nah, we're going to go ahead and, and shift to a fall schedule instead, and they moved the team out of Miami into Orlando, calling the Renegades, largely because of the fact they knew they could not compete with the Miami Dolphins. Smart move on their part. And then Jimmy Johnson comes aboard and turns that program into a dynasty. So yeah, you could say you know your boy Jimmy Johnson's the guy that got into a lot of championships, but Schnellenberger really set up shop there. But the other big thing that happened in the city of Miami, the 305, you got to go with what they did in the NFL draft. And to a certain extent, it feels like the Miami Dolphins are playing 3D chess while everybody's out here playing checkers. And it helps the fact you're playing with somebody who thinks it's check, who thinks who's playing checkers on a chessboard or playing chess with checkers. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that playing checkers with chess pieces. Have you ever seen The Wire? You know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, they're playing 3D chess. Everybody's out here playing checkers. So here's here's what happened. Let's start off with what they did yesterday. Miami, they made a trade with the San Francisco 49ers, trading the number three overall pick to San Fran for the number 12 overall pick, a 2022 first-rounder and a third-rounder, with also a first-rounder in next year's draft. Miami trades Number 12, overall pick that they got from San Fran in the first place and gave up a fourth-round pick and a 2022 first-rounder to to Philly in exchange for that number six overall pick and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft, which would be number 156, which is 
absolutely massive when you think about how much things are changing in this world and just the way things are setting up. But now we bring up why they are playing 3D chess in my mind. Here's what the Dolphins did with the Laramie Tunsil trade, essentially what they've turned this into. They traded Laramie Tunsil to Houston, basically fleeced, you know, your guys that everybody loves, the Houston Texans and their Bill O'Brien-led team and, you know, the the sinister hand, the, the, the invisible hand, Jack Easterby really helped this whole just mess happen. So for me, there's no doubt in my mind that they did absolutely amazing with this. They turned this trade to Houston into four first-round picks and a third. That is insane. That is a war chest unlike any other. So now they could very well control they control their own fate. Because this is a team that's coming off of a really good 2020. Like they came off a much improved 2020 with Tua Tonga Vailoa, and they got everything they needed out of this. They got everything they wanted out of it. And they got rid of a lot of stuff. I think they didn't have they didn't get rid of any players, but they also just said, hey, let's go ahead and move things around. And it's amazing when you think about it. Because this is a franchise that a few years ago just was the laughing stock for the most part. They had moments where they looked good, but then the entire thing has now changed significantly. Because again, just in the first round alone, the Dolphins have the 6th and 18th overall pick. They have two first rounders, two second rounders in this year's draft, 36 and 50. Then they've got a third round pick, 81st. So they've got one, two, three, four, five picks within the top 100. You do that, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of success if you're out there listening in the 305. The Dolphins are a team. Yes, I think the Bills are a little bit better than the Dolphins, but there's going to be a big difference. This is a team that probably any other year in the world probably would have made the playoffs with their record. So I'm saying to you, if you're not a Dolphins fan, if you're if you're kind of saying, hey, you know, why are you talking about the Dolphins? This is Acadiana Sports Station. At the end of the day, this is a really big move that has so many more ripple effects for the future of this franchise. It's something to keep an eye on. They managed to do this. The Dolphins got the third overall pick as a result of the trade that sent Laramie Tonsil to the Houston Texans. And they were 10-6 and six last year. They managed to turn this thing around. Over the course of one draft, once Tua was okay and ready to go, boom, Fitzmagic's next thing you know, he's going, going to the Washington football team. Everything going on right now is huge. I want to see what this future holds for this Dolphins franchise because they took steps in the right direction. And it's crazy to think the fact that they were able to pull off almost essentially a three-team trade to move from three to six and getting some really good stuff for the future, too. Because, again, they have a couple fifth-round picks now. They've got they got that fifth-round pick, and they've got two sevenths. Again, it doesn't really matter in the long run what's going to happen. But next year, they'll have a first-round pick from San Francisco. Then they'll have two picks in the third. 2023, they'll have two picks in the first round. So this team's building 
up equity and building up a lot of stuff that can turn this franchise around virtually overnight. And they're continuing to kind of build that momentum because now it's no longer the Patriots holding dominion over the AFC East. It's now almost anybody's race. The Buffalo Bills are going to be somebody to look at. They're absolutely a contender to win that division after what they did last year. I think the Miami Dolphins, they are going to be right behind them. And I hope they can get to that 11-5, 12-4-ish level because then they become probably the most dangerous wild card in the history of the NFL because they could be 11-5, 12-4 and get them to playoffs if everything goes the way it seems like it's going to in 2021. Let's get out to the 103.7 The Game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, Clint, it's Adam. How you doing? Hey, Adam, what's up, brother? Uh, not a whole lot. You're doing a great job on the show today. Appreciate it, man. What's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh wanted to ask you uh, your thoughts on the first couple of weeks of uh, MJF and the uh, and the Pinnacle so far. I appreciate that, Adam. I appreciate that. You know, the, I, I absolutely love the fact that we get a solo stable for MJF that he's leading with the Pinnacle. And, of course, I'm going to get into my full thoughts on that on the Cajun Strong Style podcast. I'll, I'll give you the footnotes here because, of course, I want you to go listen to the Cajun Strong Style podcast. I host it each and every single Monday. And I'll add that to the questions portion of the podcast because I want to get into more of my thoughts on it and more in-depth look at it. So for me, I'll give you my footnotes. I love the fact they're doing this, and they're teaming up with a lot of different guys. Now, I don't think they're done building yet. I'll give you my full thoughts on why I think they're not done building this group yet. But the Pinnacle, MGF, it is an absolutely massive move for him for the future. And he's got FTR, Sean Spears. Tully Blanchard could be a really great manager to really make this heel group even better. Now, of course... It's all about how you execute going forward. Now that they're starting to kind of spin the wheels that are the inner circle MJF pinnacle feud, what happens next? Where does this? Where is the end game for this? Is it going to be a stadium stampede part two, or is this going to be a eventual war games esque blow off at double or nothing, or even push it further back to all out? Because that feels like that's where the end game is right here, right now. Again, appreciate the call, Adam. More of a sports show. But the Cajun Strong Style Podcast will get to that. So I'm going to go ahead and write that down in my notes when you listen to the podcast. And by the way, wherever you get your podcast from, Cajun Strong Style is up there. Make sure you do that. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review. Five stars if you love it. If you're in the, if you're in the Tokyo Dome, give it a six-star review. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Appreciate the call. We're going to probably get to that more on Monday's pod when that drops. But coming up next, we'll get to some NBA trade deadline takeaways. I know Lewis probably spent so much time talking about it. I feel like I've got my own little takes on it as well. We'll get to that next right here on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Octagon to the 20 by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between. 
world-famous C.D. isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Finish him. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. Welcome back to Under the Dome with C.D. right here on Acadiana Sports Station. As you heard at the end of the last segment, I can talk a little pro wrestling. Talk a little UFC 260 tonight. Definitely going to be a damn good card. I just can't wait for that tonight. Miocic Nganu part two for the UFC Heavyweight Championship main event tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun to see how that whole thing goes. I think it's the only match kind of really worth talking about. Probably wind up watching that main event right as it happens. I mean, Tyron Woodley as a semi-main is pretty pretty darn good. Sean O'Malley is a guy that's definitely been making waves the last few months. I might just might check that one out. I know the prelims. You had him uh, another Nurmaga Madoff in the undercard, which is going to be kind of cool too. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get my thoughts on that. I mentioned this in the Cage Strong Style podcast that we dropped last week, which, by the way, you can check out however you get your podcast from. And when I say pretty much any way you get your podcast, I mean any single solitary way because there's about a billion different ways these days to so check out your favorite podcasts that we have here on 103.7 The Game. But I want to get into that because Khabib Nurmagomedov announces a retirement or was officially allowed to retire because Dana White said so. So what's going on now is saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and make this plan to go ahead and, you know, do something else and like figure out a game plan for the lightweight championship, which is now going to be vacated. And if you've kept tabs on some things, the reports were last week, and I gotten a, I was very much hot about this, is the fact that they're not giving Dustin Poirier the opportunity to fight for the UFC lightweight title that's now vacated. I have nothing wrong with the guys that are in it because it's going to be a very intriguing matchup with, with one of their newer guys and, and Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. That, that's going to be a really fun fight. I think those two guys are going to be really good. Chandler's really surprised a lot of people. He's made that transition from Bellator to UFC almost seamlessly. He had a hell of a fight in the semi-main leading into Poirier McGregor Part 2. And, of course, all the rumor and innuendo is starting to shift towards us getting Poirier McGregor 3. And that'll be possibly in July. You know, June 10th was something they were talking about, but they said there was another big main fight that they didn't want to kind of bump over or anything. So don't be surprised if this would be a fight to be part of the International Fight Week, which is always a great thing. But I mentioned on the show on Monday, if you didn't hear it, here's what I basically said. Why do we need to see Poirier McGregor 3 six months after? I'd much rather see this fight take place six months later, like a year down the road, a year or so. And more importantly, because I think there's more money to be made in a Poirier-McGregor trilogy fight, because it's going to happen. But it's the fact that you have it happen on this show. You had this main event, and it's no title, nothing. It's pretty much like a slap in the face to me to have that happen. Because I'm sitting here just shocked that like we are seeing 
a guy like Dustin the Diamond Poirier, a guy who avenged his loss to Conor McGregor and is currently the number one ranked fighter in the UFC rankings for the lightweight division. And I looked it up. I was like, I was, I was very much shocked. So right now, your rankings, according to UFC.com, it's Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, which I would love to see that fight. But then you have Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler, three and four. Tony Ferguson right behind them, rounding out the top five. Conor McGregor, sixth rank. Like, honestly, I I would much rather see Dustin Poirier get an opportunity against Justin Gaethje for the vacant lightweight title rather than see Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. That's it. Just it's it's frustrating. But we're going to see that fight on May fifteenth, and it's all to set up one of their big first cards. That's going to be back with fans in the stands, which is going to be great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm not necessarily like sold on that being like the fight that you have to see. And then maybe Dustin Poirier gets a fight. And here's the thing: if Dustin Poirier loses the fight to McGregor, he won't get a title shot. That's what really frustrates me, because he absolutely deserves the opportunity to have a title opportunity not too far down the road. But, oh, hey, let's go ahead and just rush this out there for May 15th with number three and number four contenders, third and fourth in the rankings, fighting for a vacant title, that if Dustin loses, he's going to be dropped down in the rankings and Connor is going to wind up getting another fight. Like, I would much rather see a fight between Connor McGregor and somebody else, maybe even a Dan Hooker, just as like almost an enhancement fight to a certain extent. Two guys relatively the same level face off, and then we can see maybe Connor versus Poirier part three. Give him somebody who's going to be easy. That way Connor can really come back and we see Poirier McGregor three for a title. That's all I want. I'm sure everybody in the Canadian area wants that too. It's just frustrating to me that we saw that happen with Dustin Poirier kind of getting hosed. And now we get Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira as a main event fight for a vacant title. Again, I, I would have, I would have also loved a tournament to be quite honest with you. We could have had Poirier Chandler and then Gaethje Oliveira and the winner Faces off at, like, let's say, the September or October pay-per-views. We can have more fans in the stands. And put Connor on a pay-per-view somewhere a little before that. And then Connor wins that fight. You give him a trilogy fight. But again, you know, what do I know? Sure, your boy Dana White knows what he's doing a lot more than I do. Is what it is. Let's get to some NBA trade deadline talk. But if you want to kind of reset that topic, 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111 if you want to get down to what's really got me fired up a little bit about UFC and some of their future plans. But let's get to some NBA trade deadline talk right now because there's a lot to get to, and I mean a lot. First things first, Pelicans keep Lonzo Ball, and they deal Nicolo Melli and J.J. Redick to Dallas. I mean, this is all setting up for Lonzo Ball getting a I don't think it's going to be a max deal. I think it's going to be a deal that's relatively close. 
a deal that's going to be close to that. And he'll be like, okay, I'll go ahead and do this. Because I think he's improved in some aspects. Clutch stats, I saw um, uh, Schmidt Dua of Fear the of um, uh, not Fear the Brown, it, uh, Bourbon Street Shots. His Twitter's at Fear the Brown. My brain kind of just lost it for a second there. So he brought this up. They played 22, the Pelicans have played 22 games after last night that have triggered the clutch criteria of game within five and five minutes to go in the contest. And basically, he's awful from in the clutch situation because he is 7-25 from the floor in 13 losses and thirteen and nine wins. They are 7-21. He's 7-21 from the floor during the clutch criterion. He still sucks from certain spots. And again, this isn't definitive, but it makes you wonder, who is going to be that guy that has that clutch gene? I think somebody like Zion Williamson should be the guy that, to keep an eye on. He's a guy that you absolutely have to say, hey, we want you to be the guy. Go ahead and show us that you're the guy. And then we can talk about how the rest of this team is performing and the way the rest of this thing is working. Because I feel like there's a lot of potential for this franchise. It's just you can't keep making these same mistakes. And what I mean by that is overpaying for underperformance. And if he can't step his game up, and even, it doesn't even have to be about like clutch shooting. Because sometimes that just doesn't happen. Sometimes you're playing against markedly better teams. Case in point, the Denver Nuggets. I'll get to them in a minute. But this is a team that absolutely had the Nuggets at one point dead to rights. And then the ball just never couldn't fall. Like it could not they could not do anything right from that aspect. And the Pelicans just continue to be that team that sucks you in and you think, oh, hey, this team is going to get better. We can turn this around. Next thing you know, we're sitting here. What the hell is going on? But let's get to the 103.7 game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Yes, uh, good morning. Hey, what's up? What's going on? You're talking in reference to uh, Lonzo, and Lonzo isn't the issue with Pels. You know, he, he, he may be a small part, but he's not the issue. The issue is, is that they do not want to play defense in the fourth quarter. It seems like it's like we give up. I, I, I agree last, with you. You saw it last night. You've seen it in multiple, multiple, multiple games so far this season where they've had a lead and it just disappears in the fourth quarter. I mean, That's uh, not all on Lonzo. It's it's not all Alonzo, but at the same time, it's like if you're not playing defense because it feels like this team just has not like it's it hasn't caught on yet. What Stan Van Gundy is bringing to the table, maybe that's just a statement about what's going on. Like this franchise just not wanting to buy into this whole defensive mindset. Maybe it's going to take some extra time, or maybe just maybe the fact that the NBA you're seeing more and more shift away from those guys. At the end of the day, you need shooters. If you're in a if you're in a shootout like this, if you're in a boat race and you're allowing this many points, you need to have somebody that can get you points on the board. And at the end of the day, Lonzo in these clutch situations hasn't done it. And, and that's true, but he is the one guy that is willing to play defense in the fourth quarter. But he can't defend all five players. No, of course. You know, 
and, and I agree with you that he's not the most clutch player, but again, it still comes down to someone has to, you have to stop someone. Also, you know, you've got to make stops. Zion, you've got to play defense in the fourth. Um, Brandon, you've got to play defense in the fourth. It, it, it is what it is. You guys are, 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 are you know, tremendously really good um, offensive players, but defensively, despite all that athleticism, they refuse to play defense. I told someone the other day, I said, you're the most athletic person I know when it comes to basketball, but you refuse to move your feet on defense. It, it's maddening, man. I, I just I want to see this team <laughs> succeed, but at the same time, they just can again, like I was saying, they suck you in with these like two straight wins that look good, and then they look really good. Like the, I mean, the, the Pelicans' worst part of the game, and I agree with you, their fourth quarter defense has been shoddy. But over the last, let's say, three, four years, what's been the worst part of the Pelicans' game? The third quarter, coming out of the second half, they come out sluggish and start letting teams back into the ball game. Yeah, yeah. And I agree, and it, it, it was with, and it was kind of expected under um I don't forget Alvin Gentry because yeah. he was not the most defensive minded coach. It was Warriors light. That's that's all he tried to do. Yeah, yeah, and, and it may take a little while. Hopefully, it won't take too long for these guys to buy in, understand Van Gundy. But it's not like they don't know his coaching style. Yeah, he's always been. He's always been. Hey, look, we're gonna we're not gonna put up. Full emphasis on defense, but I do want you guys to play defense. Unlike, like you said, Warriors like. <laughs> no, I mean that's basically what they've done. That's basically what they were doing before that. It was very much, you know. I mean, again, Alvin Ginger came from the Warriors system, and that was all that they did. But that's just been that's been yeah. the Pelicans' issue all year. We've talked about it. Like outside of the game on March twelfth against the Cavaliers, I can't think of many other games where they allowed a team. They had a team below 100 points, and that's not that's not going to win you a lot of ball games because then you have to, like I said, play very much warrior style and try and outshoot some teams that have elite shooting, like the Denver Nuggets last night. Exactly, and you know I'm going to put some of the blame on, and I'll say we, and generalizing, of course, it's not everyone, but we, the fan, the fans of the NBA got tired of the defensive-minded uh, basketball teams. Yep. You know, we, we, we got tired of it. We wanted to see more score. We wanted to see more, you know, the, the up-and-down style of play. So that is what the NBA is giving us. And some of us who are still kind of stuck in that, well, you got to play some defense. We're, we're, in a, we're, we're in the minority. Oh, no, exa- you know, exactly. We, we I mean, <laughs> I mean the, like, like you, you plug in guys like LeBron James and, Anthony, I mean, especially a guy like Anthony Davis into the bad boy Piston era, like NBA, he wouldn't last like a hot minute, right? No, no, and I agree with Anthony Davis, but I think LeBron would have would have been able to. Yeah, to I mean, I mean Anthony, that, Davis is, that, Anthony Davis is too soft. Anthony, I, the problem with Anthony Davis, and I've defended him, and I've said it before, when he was with the Pals, he was he was almost by himself, and he was trying way too hard, and he got injured, and is now carried over into Los yep. Angeles, where you could see that he's real tentative in how he plays. He plays to not get hurt, and guess what? He ended up getting and, hurt. And then then LeBron you know? James is out, and it makes me wonder. And I, I ask his question, then I'll, then I'll let you answer. Then I'll, then I'll let you go because we got to hit a quick timeout. Okay. 
with Le- with LeBron James out indefinitely and AD out indefinitely, is this the Nets' title to lose at this point? It really is. It really is because once the Nets, if they, those three guys can put it together, and with of course including um, and now they've got Blake Griffin there, and yep. you've got a couple of good shooters. If they put it together, I don't see anyone really stopping them in the East. And the West, Denver and Utah still, you know, everyone talks really high about them, but they haven't proven anything that they can't even get to the conference final. And if the Clippers, uh, the Clippers are scary, especially by adding Rondo. That makes a big difference, especially come playoff time. We're talking about playoff Rondo. Appreciate the call, man. Have a good one. I like I like that. I like having a little conversation about some NBA. We're going to take a quick timeout. Back after this, wrap up our number one in style right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. All right, real quick segment here because we, we really ran a little bit long with our little conversation. Not an interview, but just more a conversation on the 103.7 The Game hotline. But guess what? You can get in on the conversation as well. 337-706-0111. We're on till 115 today. And we're going to go ahead and take that quick timeout right now. I'll give you some information about something really cool coming up April 10th and 11th that you can enter in for a chance to win tickets to it. Give the details about that at the top of the hour. Just make sure you keep it locked right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome everybody. Our number two of two-ish is we only got like 15 minutes after. The original time when we go off the air, we sign off with you. We managed to managed to pull some strings for one show only to get an extra fifteen minutes. We've got a little extra innings or free. Then again, it is kind of free, no matter how you're listening into the show. But we appreciate you listening in. As always, we're coming to you live from the beautiful, palatial, opulent. First, South Farm Credit Studios. Hear this worldwide. And you can hear this thing worldwide, like, like your boy Pitbull. 
through the free mobile app, smart speakers, or the dot com. I know we got people even out in Switzerland. We got Swiss superheroes listening to us on that free app, probably. Appreciate them listening in. And of course, we got right here in the heart of Cajun country, the FM dial. It really is where the power lies, and hopefully you're having a good Saturday afternoon. How are you doing? So if you're drinking that second cup of coffee, maybe popping that first top on a pretty decent. It's not. It's not a beautiful day. It's not. That's not a Chamber of Commerce day. But it's not half bad, considering how things were earlier this week, where it was just rain, 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 rain. No, it's still cloudy. It's all. It's cloudy. But it's going to get better. And that's all you can, you can kind of ask for, to be honest with you. Am I wrong there? But, of course, I feel, I'm feeling good on this Saturday. So let's go ahead and kind of just just get the good vibes rolling with some old Ric Flair for you. Woo! When last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! And I'm definitely feeling pretty darn good after hearing that once again. And I barely was able to kind of get to some of the stuff I wanted to get to on the NBA trade deadline stuff because it's some really just interesting storylines and takeaways. First thing outside of the Pelicans is the Orlando Magic hitting the reset button once again. It feels like every couple of years, the Magic just continue to have good pieces, but just can never turn it into anything. So what they did was basically get rid of all the notable players on their team. And they said, all right, guys, see ya. We're going to go ahead and punt and move on to the future. We're going to go ahead and just walk away and we're going to just be trusting the process and working with what we have. Meanwhile, I think the Miami Heat absolutely loaded up for a postseason run getting getting rid of Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and, a dra- and getting a draft swap for Victor Oladipo. Yes, you weren't able to get Kyle Lowry, but I think Oladipo is the next best thing, the former All-Star. Pairing him alongside Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, that could be a really fun lineup. I can't wait to see what the future holds there. Then the we look at everything else. I mean, the Nuggets made the absolute most out of this trade deadline. They looked they were one of those like big winners to me when it comes right down to it because they got rid of Gary Harris, RJ Hampton to get Aaron Gordon. Then they got guys like Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. They they could very well be a team set up for the long-term future. And again, now that the West is a little bit more wide open with the Los Angeles Lakers, as we talked about at the end of the first hour, you don't have LeBron James for a while. You don't have Anthony Davis for a while. Who knows when he's going to come back? So now you got those two guys out. This opens things up a little bit more in the Western Conference in terms of who could be the front runner. I think the Clippers are a team that, and I'll get to them in a minute, but I think the Nuggets 
were the big winner for me in the trade deadline. Yes, Miami wound up turning out to be a little bit better at the end of the day. You know, the Celtics were okay with what they did. I was like, whatever, it's not really going to change their fortunes that much. That said, I think one team that it started to take steps is those Chicago Bulls. It's been a while since we actually have talked about a Chicago Bulls team that has actually done things actually good. But, you know, you were able to get Vucevic, you were able to get Al Aminu, and get rid of Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter. And now you have him, have those two to pair with Zach Levine should be a lot of fun. Then you also wound up getting Daniel Thies. You've got you've got a really good potential, like essentially a good chance to build a future. That's the thing. You just need to build a future, and the franchise is going to be built. I can't wait to see what happens with the Chicago Bulls in the next two to three years because they are taking steps back to relevance. Are they going to be Jordan 96-97 great? No. There's going to be nobody that can actually do that. But I like what I've seen from that team in terms of the trade deadline, what the moves they did. The final bit of news I'm going to talk about with the NBA trade deadline real quick. Atlanta Hawks. This may be the best thing in the world because they traded for your boy Lemon Pepper Lou, which is just the greatest thing of all time. This may be the greatest trade in the history of our great sport because of who it benefits. It benefits Lou Williams absolutely because he's going back to Magic City and the Clippers, as we were talking about earlier, it's the fact that this is going to benefit them too because they get playoff Rondo. When you have Rondo in the playoffs, he can be an absolute monster. Yes, he's get there's some tread on the tires now with Rondo, but I'd would love to have Rajon Rondo, even at 35 years old, really go off in playoffs time. That's what I want if I'm in the NBA. I'm wanting that. But again, it was perfect for one player involved, and that's Lemon Pepper Lou. He, go, he gets to go back to Magic City as much as he wants. I'm surprised I haven't seen like pictures of a billboard welcoming Lou Williams back to Atlanta. And welcome to the Magic City. Come on over. And like somehow, some way, I'm amazed that has not happened. Or at least I did not see it. Because it feels like that is going to be an inevitable step in the direction in that direction. Meanwhile, you know, I was gonna get to some baseball stuff, but we are getting caught up in conversation to end the eleven o'clock hour. I'll get to some of that right now, especially with the Cajuns. They beat Coastal last night in a just beat down. And this was the first game of conference play, and they looked great. Spencer Eric Getty continues to be the guy. They scored the game scored nine combined runs in the second and third inning. That was about it. Like they scored nine times. Feels like feels like the principal in Ferris Bueller. Nine times. That's how many times they put they put up runs. They won nine to two. This was a great start for them to play against Coastal Carolina and it's looking better. Things are taking a step in the right direction for a team that, you know, felt like it had missed the step. I mean, you lose a series to... You lose a final game to Houston Baptist. 
Then you go on a four-game losing streak. You lose to Mississippi State, which is, I think that one's the most understandable loss of the season because he played one of the best teams in the in the country, in Mississippi State, and you lost. Then you lose three straight on the road to Southern Miss. Not a great start. Then you go to, you lose to McNeese, and then you lose to TCU on Saturday and Sunday, losing that series, and especially the way that you did, because it felt like, especially on Sunday, that was a train wreck. And yes, you could probably go ahead and, and blame me for a lot of it because I was there and give me the, the title of jinx, and honestly, I'd agree with that. But at the same time, I just feel like that's kind of how it goes sometimes. You just have a comedy of errors happen. This was like, like sometimes their defensive play is bad news bears-esque from my POV. I could be completely wrong on that. But the Cajuns have to change the way they do things defensively. Because if you have a bunch of errors, and also if you walk a lot of people, because I saw on Saturday it was like 14 walks. Not how you handle things. It was, in a word, pas bon. Not a great look for them on last Saturday against TCU. Now they're going to be getting ready for the second game of a four-game set. It's very complicated because you've got Monday to uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you have Monday. It's not a conference. It's what the hell? Like, why do we have to do this? But uh, I think they're doing this again, or they were supposed to do this last week with TCU. But of course, TCU pulled out of the of the Thursday game. For one reason or another. But honestly, I liked what I saw from the Cajuns in night one. Air Getty's pretty much rubber stamped it. He is the ace for this team. He's proved it week in and week out. But now we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that your boy, Spencer Air Getty, who almost looks like Cody Shoots if he was five years younger, looking like him. Then LSU loses their opener to Tennessee, 3-1. And again, this is a team that just cannot get right. LSU has so much talent. They've got the hitting, and they put out their guy, the ace, on the team in Marceau. They put him out there and said, hey, let's go ahead and get this win. Let's get this dub. They didn't get the dub. They weren't even close. I mean, you had, we're going to pull up the, I'm trying to pull up the comparison right now. You had one error that probably proved to be costly. You had more so allow his first earned run all, all year. He had a really decent game, actually. You know, only allowed three hits, struck out nine, and five innings or. Then, you know, again, the wheels fell off, not because of anything that was truly his fault. The one earned run was the only thing you were hearing him. That one error wound up costing you. And it was on a pass. You had somebody scoring a pass freaking ball in the third. That's not great, Bob. All you had was Gavin Dugas homering to left center. And this team's just offense, which has been lights out the last few weeks, now that it's jumped into SEC play, it's not there. 12 strikeouts last night. I think they had 31 Last week, I saw this from Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. 31 freaking strikeouts by the LSU against Mississippi State. Again, best team in the country. 
I can vouch for that. But at the same time, you're going to be playing really good pitchers the rest of the way because you're an SEC play now. You cannot do that and expect to win ball games. You only had five hits, five batters out of your starting nine actually hit. You cannot win a ball game like that. It's unacceptable. In fact, you only had seven people get on base. And you stranded six. You stranded six. That was absolutely deplorable, what we saw last night from LSU. And it continues to make me wonder, is this team ever going to be consistent again? Because two years ago, I was on the show ranting and raving about how LSU just didn't have marbles. There was no there's no leadership on the field. There was no guy that was gonna have like just this spark of fire and boom, you get somebody great. No. We get this. Five hits and really ruining what could have what should have been a really good performance, if not, you know, top shelf performance from Landon Marceau. Now you got Jaden Hill and you've got to win two games with Jaden Hill and names escape me right now who the third pitcher is going to be for the series. Cause, but still, you've got to rely. And I'm talking about absolutely rely on somebody to do something. You've got to rely on this team to get it done. And it just feels like more likely than not, this is not where they are. Yes, Tennessee is a way different team than a couple of years ago, currently ranked ninth in the country. But here's the thing. The SEC is always going to be up. You have to be up to your competition. Sunday, you had A.J. Labus, and A.J. Labus has been up and down. If you win, I think game two could be your best game because Will Helfen is pitching for Tennessee. He has a 4.22 ERA. Tomorrow, on tomorrow's game, which will be at a let, which will be at noon, you'll hear that right here on 1037 the game. You got Labus taking on Blade Tidwell, who has a 1.65 ERA. You had Chad Dallas last night, who has a four point a four point freaking seven heading into the game. That's gone down to about a three point four four one in one night. He was able to bring this thing down well over one point in his ERA. Seven innings, only allowed one run and eleven strikeouts. You made that guy. Look like a god. That's not how you win games. LSU needs to get their bleep together very soon. Or it's not going to look good. Do they make the regionals? I don't know yet. I think the Cajuns right now, if they can if they can get this series win over Coastal Carolina, if they sweep, that's even better. Because I think that could set you up for a lot of success once we get into the month of April and May, because that's going to instill a lot of confidence, especially if they can get the bats going again. And we saw it on Friday. They looked good. The bats looked good. Nine runs in two innings, second and third inning. That's how you do it. That's how you win ball games. We hear about it all the time. The late, great Tony Robertson said it a billion times. You win thanks to the crooked innings. The crooked innings are what's going to get you. And I want to see... What happens with this team? 
with that Cajuns team. LSU has a lot of work to do, and they need to start today and win against Tennessee. If they can avoid getting, if they get swept this weekend, the conversation starts changing to being overly concerned about what the future holds for LSU. Because, who boy, it's not a good look. All right, it's under the dome with CD right here in Acadia in a sports station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Before we take a quick timeout, we get an idea of what we got going on right now. We get a chance for you to win tickets to Bose Extravaganza. It's back, and you can win tickets for, to the event held on April 10th and 11th. And who's Bo, you ask? Well, not Bo Dallas. It's John Schneider, the guy who played Bo on Dukes of Hazard. You can win tickets to a party hosted by the man who played Bo Duke and Jonathan Kent, the one and only John Schneider at his studios in Holden, Louisiana. To score tickets, simply text BO, B-O, to 68683. Once again, text BO to 68683 for your chance to win tickets to Bo's Extravaganza. Maybe just maybe you'll see the General Lee hop over something. That'd be really cool, to be honest with you. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Going to get some MLB league-wide talk as we're about five days out from the 162-game stretch. I cannot wait. Back after this. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Five days out the start of the MLB season. I absolutely cannot wait any longer. It is just right there, and 162-game season is in my grasp. And I can't wait for it. I know you can't wait for it either. I know one person who can't wait. That's Ben Love and Kevin Foote, because they'll be out there at Twin Peaks on Johnson for opening day all day. It begins, again, Kevin Foote, footnotes, probably the biggest Astros fan that I know. Outside of our guy, Blue. Blue, you're my boy. You probably are, are a pretty big Astros fan. I'd love to see a competition between you and him. Footsie. That'd be on from 9 to 11. And then Ben Love will be there throughout the day. And wrapping things up with Bumper to Bumper Sports, live from 4 to 7 from Twin Peaks. So come on out and enjoy the start of the MLB season this year with 103.70 Games opening day all day long at Twin Peaks on Johnson Eats. Drinks and the scenic views. Hopefully, every good one so far on this Louisiana Saturday morning. Almost actually Saturday afternoon. It's it's freaking almost twelve thirty. Let's, let's be honest here. So, I want to kind of look things up and just go up and down with what I think about each team in each division, league wide in the MLB five days out. And I'm going to start off with the American League this segment. Next segment, I'll go ahead and go into my thoughts on the National League. because I've got a lot of point of thoughts about the National League, especially. But first off, AL East, I think the Baltimore Orioles, they are continuing to rebuild. I mean, they got Freddie Galvis. They've still got 
everything going on with Matt Harvey, Felix Hernandez giving them minor league contracts. They were 25-35 and 35 in last year's abbreviated season. I don't think they can be competitive at all. And then they've still got just the mess that is the – I think they've still got the mess of the Chris Davis deal, if I'm not mistaken, that they're having to deal with. Because good luck, God bless with that guy. Yeah. And he's on the 60-day injured list now. So Wade LeBlanc is going to be – he got re-signed. So, yeah, you've got that to deal with. So have fun with that entire mess that is the the Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be a dumpster fire because they did absolutely jack squat this offseason. The Boston Red Sox, uh, they are going to be a team to look at. You know, they went from being, you know, World Series champs two years ago. And they finished the season one of the worst winning percentages behind the Rangers, Tigers, and Pirates. This team's still absolutely in a rebuild, but they're not wanting to admit it yet. And I think the first step to admitting you have a problem, first step towards recovery is admitting you have a problem. They're just not wanting to admit that they have a problem. And I think they will absolutely take steps forward with guys like Marwin Gonzalez, Hunter Renfro, Garrett Richards, and Enrique Hernandez. There's going to be steps in the right directions for this team. They got rid of Andrew Benatendi, but then you want to getting just some random jabroni. The Red Sox are going to be probably right above Baltimore, in my mind in the standings when it's all said and done. But that's your bottom feeders. Now we get to the Yankees. The Yankees did a decent job. Just basically, let's make sure we get Kluber and LeMayhew signed to a big deal. Let's go ahead and get LeMayhew signed to a six-year, $90 million deal. Outside of that, they didn't really do much else. I think New York has a chance to be a fringe wildcard team but I don't think they get much further because it's going to be a mess to deal with because they don't they didn't sign anybody else that was within like a top sixty range in terms of free agency. The Rays they were they were outmatching the World Series and they didn't do much, but they wound up getting rid of one of their best guys in Blake Snell and also kind of having a bunch of other just random guys. Charlie Morton they let him go to the Braves. So the Rays are going to go back down to the mean here. I think they'll wind up being like square third out of five in the standings when it's all said and done. The team I'm looking forward to, though, that could be AL East champs is the Toronto Blue Jays. Because they've got George Springer, long-term, and you've got such young talent. I've mentioned a few years ago with the Atlanta Braves. They look like they're taking the steps in the right direction towards becoming a power into being a team that's going to be relevant for a long time. Kevin Biggio, Vlad Jr., George Springer. I think that's all I have to say, really. They've got phenomenal offense. I think they have a chance to be Ailey's champs or wild card. I think you'll see the way I see the rankings in the division. It's going to be Toronto. It's going to be Yankees. Rays are third. Boston's fourth. And the O's are fifth. Meanwhile, the Chicago White Sox are going to be interesting in the AL Central. You wind up having a new, you wind up getting rid of Rick Renteria after you won the AL Manager of the Year, which is still maddening to me. And then you hire Tony LaRusso, who got arrested on suspicion of drunk driving. Jerry Reisendorf, good luck, God bless with this team. I think there's some chances 
But then I see you lost Jimenez. He's out for like five to six months. The AL Central is going to be the NFC East of the MLB this year. A lot has to do with the fact that you know the Cleveland Indians are jokes. There's next to nothing really going on. They're talking about the name change that they're finally going to do. I'm just waiting for that. But they did absolutely nothing really of note outside of the, the Lindor Mets trade, you know, that they did, which we'll get to the Mets in the next segment. But, you know, they lost Carlos Carrasco. They added in some guys like Andres Jimenez and Ahmad or excuse me, Ahmed Rosario. And they're good, but you know, this team's gonna have an uphill climb. So yeah, they are gonna be they're not gonna make it much further. Detroit Tigers, AJ Hinch is the new manager. I think they have a chance to do some things, but it's gonna take a couple of years. So I'm gonna go ahead and put them as last in the last in the division. With Cleveland probably right above them, but it ain't much. And then the White Sox are probably third out of five. The Royals, you know, I'm about the Royals third out of five because I think somehow, some way, the the White Sox will do good enough. And then the Twins or the Tens because they need to get some W's in the postseason because they have absolutely sucked at that end. And they've made some steps in the right direction. So give me. The Twins being your NL Central champs and probably your wild card is going to be the Chicago White Sox. Then we get to the AL West, which is going to be buoyed a lot by a Angels team that's getting better. Yes, you've got a really good player in Jose Quintana, but you didn't get Trevor Bauer. You didn't get Garrett Cole last year. You are continuing to be what the Pelicans are to the NBA, wasting incredible talent in Mike Trout. Mike Trout's a great player, but he's on a crappy team all the way around, and it's hurting him and his future. The Astros, I think they're going to wind up being the AOS champs again, but I think it's going to be a lot tighter of a race because the Angels are a little bit better. The A's are a little bit better. And trust me, you play those two teams a lot. You're playing the ace to open up the season. I think you can wind up winning three out of four for my POV. I hate the fact that these are all going to be like West Coast games, so I'm going to be late at night. Ha, oh boy. I want to I want to be able to be up all night listening to baseball. But, man, 907 first pitches, no mas. The Mariners, they're going to continue to suck because they, just, they did next to anything. You know, they got James Paxson, but, you know, outside of that, you've got Ken Giles. Ken Giles does not instill hope. The Texas Rangers, they are going to be continuing to be the laughing stock of the league because they did next to nothing in free agency. And, um, again, they just, they're in rebuilding mode, and it's going to be a long time before they do anything good. Yeah, so. My ALS, my AL champions in the divisions, those are going to be Astros. I think, I think it's going to be Yankees, but I wouldn't be surprised if Blue Jays get it done. The Twins. And then my wild cards, I'd probably go Angels. Let's see, Angels. I'll go White Sox. And I'll go either Yankees or Blue Jays. Cause I feel like the Yankees and Blue Jays are, ve- it's a, going to be a very tight race going down to, Probably game 162 to determine how that whole thing's going to go. But we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, 
I get some NL thoughts, and trust me, I've got a lot of those. If you got some thoughts of your own, call us up, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Back after this. famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Call us up on the 1037 The Game hotline if you will. 337-706-0111. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. I know I sure am because I'm here with you. Spending a good old time talking sports. And also, get some cool stuff up for grabs right now in our rewards club at 1037thegame.com. If you're not part of it already, it's free to enter and free to join. won't spam you with a bunch of emails. And once you're a member, you have a chance to win some great stuff, including a $50 gift certificate to Bhutan Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar in Cameron Grove. If you know where the Old Vadrine, Old Vadrines was off of uh, Veterans, you can actually check them out. Pretty darn good stuff. You can go over there. But again, go to the 1037thegame clubhouse at 1037thegame.com for a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to Bhutan Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar. But I mentioned I want to get into some Kind of in, a, in MLB league-wide talk. We'll go ahead and do that right now. Because, again, I love doing this just before the season gets started. Because as a big, like, diehard baseball fan, this is my time of year. This is my favorite time of year, right before the start of the season. So let's go ahead and look at the National League now. The NL East, I think this is the Braves' opportunity to really establish itself and establish dominion over the East. And they have everything going right for him. Bringing back Marcelo Zuna, four-year deal. He's going to be a great use for him. And it looked like for a minute they were going to pass on him, but they will keep the power hitter in their lineup going forward. So having him there, that's going to be great step in the right direction. Other than Ozuna, you know, they also added starters Drew Smiley, Charlie Morton. Adding the Chuck Wagon immediately makes this team a contender. In the NL, because he, because the Chuck Wagon still got some some time left in him to be an elite player. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Then we get to the Miami Marlins. They are going to continue to suck. They they've taken steps in the right direction, but boy oh boy, it's an uphill climb because they've got a bunch of guys that I just don't know a whole hell of a lot about. Yes, they got some deals done with the Mets and Doyers, but at the end of the day, that's not going to get it done. And even designated starting pitcher. Jose Arena for assignment. Not a great look. This has been interesting to see this team make historic moves because they're going to have the first female GM in baseball. So, yeah, Miami's going to have fun with that. But outside of that, I just don't necessarily think there's a whole lot to look forward to if you're a Miami Marlins fan. And, again, there hasn't been much to look forward to since the days of Dontrell Willis. How about that name? The New York Mets are really kind of keeping themselves extremely busy. You know, they 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 got starting pitcher Marcus Stroman on a qualifying offer. 
adding on Trevor May to a two-year deal, then getting James McCann on a four-year, Aaron Loop. You also get starter Tawan Walker. They also got a bunch of other guys I think could be really good in the future. But again, they also got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. The Mets are going to be probably, I'd say right here right now, second in commands of the Braves. But the Mets can really stack it up with the team that they've built. I am interested. Because again, I mean, now you get new ownership. And immediately they're going all in on making this franchise good again. And that's awesome to see. And I hope they do look a lot better because they, for a time, they look like dog you-know-what, especially after you know them getting rid of a lot of like key players after coming this close. I mean this close to actually getting it done. Absolutely banner. Probably one of the best free agency years for the Mets ever. Rest of the NL East, you got to say the Phillies – are going to continue to underwhelm. They've got some really good guys, really good pieces. Bringing they actually got JT Rio Muto back. Didi Gregorius is in the lineup, and they made a lot of little bullpen tweaks here and there. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, but I still think they will fall towards I'd say third in the rankings for me. Washington Nationals a couple of years ago, I mean World Series hangover. I think it's still in effect. I'd say the Nats are probably a couple pieces away from getting back into relevance. There are going to be four out of five, but that's not a real knock because I think that you'll see I mean, you'll see probably at least something change. I don't know. I mean, outside the Marlins, who else is going to kind of stink out of the division? It's going to be a tough one to get out of. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Cubs are, dead, the Cubs are going to be second to last in the NL Central in my mind this year because they just absolutely did – Nothing. They didn't trade Chris Bryant, and you know that was the only good thing they did. Outside of that, it was basically a fire sale, losing three starters to free agency: John Lester, Tyler Chatwood, and Jose Quintana. That's not how you're going to get things done. They also Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora, both out now. You added Pedro Strop and Jonathan Holder to the bullpen, but that's really about it. Are you really looking forward to seeing Trevor Williams and Jake Arrieta bring this team to relevance? Yes, they got Jock Peterson, but it's only a one-year deal. It's not going to do anything for you. The Cubs are on a downturn. They're going to have to rebuild sooner rather than later. This is it's crazy to think that, like, again, about five years ago, the Cubs won the World Series and broke a 100-year curse. I think it might be another 100 years before they win another title. Then we get to those Cincinnati Reds, Louis Prejean. If you're listening, go ahead and earmuff it for a minute. You can mute the mute the radio for about 20 seconds. So I'm just going to say it. Reds are dead last in the league, in my opinion, because they 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 looked okay last year. They improved a lot, but at the same time, the second they got into postseason, they were like Beavis and Butthead. They never scored, and that's not a good look if you're a, if you're the Reds. I just feel like that's where their lot in life is right now. They're going to be a mediocre team this year. I think they'll they'll drop down. They didn't do much in free agency. I don't necessarily think there's a whole hell of a lot a positive from that. They had a chance to go get what they needed for a rebound, but they just didn't. 
they were like, meh, we're just going to go ahead and, and punt. You know, they lost Trevor Bauer. They lost their best player, who we all hate, or at least the Astros fan base hates, and Tyler Bauer. At the end of the day, they, they lost their best player. So, yeah, they're going to be towards the bottom of the barrel for me. Brewers, probably going to be more of the same. I think they could be probably third in these rankings. Again, I think it's Reds, Cubs. Third place is going to be Brewers. Pirates are going to be second, but I think it's going to be about, actually, no, wait. Swap Brewers and Pirates. Pirates going to be third in the division. Brewers going to be second. Because I just feel like they are continuing to tear everything down in Pittsburgh. I'm sure they could, you could probably swap over, you know, the Cubs and the Pirates, which is probably how it's all going to clean out. But the NL Central is going to be bad, but it's going to be buoyed by a really good Cardinals team that made a lot of massive moves this offseason. Yadi Molina, Adam Wainwright. I saw their over-under was like 86 at one point before the season started. I would take the over on that because they absolutely have a chance to do that. I think they could be a NL Central champs when it's all said and done. The NL West is going to be probably the most interesting division, and it's not because of the Diamondbacks or the Rockies. Those two are bottom feeders. The Giants are going to be right in the middle of the pack. It's all about what we talked about a couple months ago. It's going to be all about the Doyers and the Padres. These two are going to be absolutely teams you need to check out. The Dodgers have probably the best rotation in all of baseball. Hands down, one of the best in baseball. It's insane to see how much they have with Trevor Bauer added to the group. Another high-quality arm. It's impressive. The World Series rotation last year was impressive. Getting Justin Turner to come back. But on the other hand, you've got you got a almost irresistible force in the Los Angeles Dodgers and their pitching staff and their pitching rotation. The Padres are the team that absolutely feels like the future is there. Because they've got Blake Snell, Yu Darvish, Joe Musgrove. Then they also signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to a insane deal for 14 years. Got Mike Clevenger. They've got a really solid three-man rotation right now today. Just that alone. Now, obviously, they're going to have a fourth or a fifth. But it's not like what we see with the Dodgers, where it feels like they could have like five guys that are bona fide, let's say, 10, 15 win seasons. That's where we're at with the Dodgers. But the Padres have power and also have a really good rotation that could wind up probably winning them, let's say, nine out of ten, nine out of every ten series this year. And if you win nine out of every ten series, you're probably going to have the best record in baseball. I think the best record in baseball is going to go to the Dodgers, but it'll be a very slim margin. I think the Padres are going to be right behind them. And in terms of who I pick to see in the showcase, in the World Series, I'm going to go with the Padres winning in seven over the Dodgers. And I'll go ahead and go with, I think this is going to surprise some people, but honestly, I think we'll wind up seeing a Blue Jays team beat, I'm, I'm starting to lean on it right now, it'll probably wind up being a trying to think trying to think who it would be. I'd probably say an Oakland A's team would probably kind of surprise in teams, maybe the postseason. And I, I'm trying to think who else would be in there. 
I feel like the White Sox could make a run. I don't think the Astros are going to make it to the ALCS. That's my whole thing. So I'm going to go with the Blue Jays and the Padres in the World Series. I'll probably be completely off base, but that's kind of where I see this whole thing going. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. I'm going to wrap up hour number two, get to my one final take, but we got an extra 15 minutes after this. So we're going to spend some time there talking about the Sweet 16. Back after this on 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. At any moment, we could put out a Facebook post or tweet detailing massive station news, like a huge contest or a once-in-a-lifetime interview or a photo of your favorite host's lunch. Don't be left out. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you, too, can live and serve part-time by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. A need to festival means friend of festival. Amis are supporters that understand the important role Festival International plays in the community and want to make a difference. It's easy to be our friend. Whether you contribute $5 a month or $50, your support goes a long way. Join our AMI program to help Festival International continue bringing the world to Lafayette for another year. Visit festivalinternational.org to show your support. It would take three entire football seasons at Cajun Field with full attendance to reach as many people as Lafayette Radio reaches in one week. That's about 450,000. Delivering results. The power of Lafayette Radio. Put it to work for your business. Delta Media can assist you in creating an affordable, effective audio campaign for your business. Find out how at deltamediacorp.com or call Shanae Richard at 337-886-4669. The Mechlady Show, a concert series held at Pelican Park in Carrickrow, is returning to action every Wednesday, starting April 7th through May 19th. Shows run from 6 to 8.30, so get your dancing shoes ready and head out to Pelican Park for a ball tall. It's free admission for everyone. Sponsors receive advertisement through flyers, banners, and digital displays up on stage. To become a sponsor, call Frank Wittenberg at 896-5000 and select option 4. That's 896-5000, option 4. Who's ready to party for the Mechlady Show? Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from Upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at 1 in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. Nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Westwood One is your exclusive home for the 2021 NCAA Tournament. It's only fitting that a season unlike any other comes to a conclusion in the most unique circumstances. From 68 teams down to one, all in the same state. Every basket, buzzer beater, and bracket buster until a champion is crowned. Who will take home the title? Tune in to find out. All the excitement of March Madness right here 
and Acadianus Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. I might live to regret this take, but for me, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not run it back in 2021. Yes, they've brought back every single starter on the starting 22. First time that's happened for a Super Bowl champ since 1979, back when Billy Corgan was reminding us about what happened. Think back, flashback, 1979. And I think it's just the fact that there's something about this team. I don't know exactly what it is, but it feels like they're going to be a step or two behind. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for Tampa Bay. You're playing in the NFC South and anything can happen, especially after the draft. Who knows how the future is going to pan out for a lot of those teams. The Saints, they're going to be like pretty good, but they won't be elite. They'll give you a challenge in the regular season, I think. The Saints have held dominion over the last few years. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. In the NFC South, but for me, I just don't think you'll see things pan out the way they way it looks like, where they're going to run it back. Running it back, Tom Brady only did it one time with the with the Bucks with the Patriots. Excuse me, that was back when he played a jabroni Eagles team in the, in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl team they played was very much out. They were outclassed. Let's put it that way. I'm talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, and they played the Panthers as well the year before. But yeah. I feel like it's going to be very tough because if they wind up running into the proverbial brick wall that is the Kansas City Chiefs again, I'd give everything to see that team wind up coming away with the Lombardi Trophy in the rematch. That's a big reason why I think we'll see everything kind of go the way of a no-sweep. I'd 100% take anybody else to do that. Because it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing turns out. Because that's where the future holds. That's what the future holds, I think, in the NFL. The Chiefs are absolutely going to be a team that's going back to the Super Bowl. Now, how good are they going to be? It's anybody's guess. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. Normally, around this time, I'd be saying, hey, I'm done. I'm getting out of here. I'll talk to you next week. But no, we've got an extra 15 minutes or so left allotted. We managed to pull some strings, and we're going to be back after this. But we're going to spend a little time talking to Sweet 16. Yep, we're doing it. We're talking about that next right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! 
time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, getting you ready for some college basketball. The two sweet 16 now under, about to get underway in about, let's see, 37 minutes or so. But the coverage is going to begin in about 10 minutes or so. Let's get into it. Sweet 16 action going to be starting up with Oregon State taking on Sister Jean and the Loyola Chicago. Chicago Ramblers. Either I, I just call calls them Loyola Chicago, some call them Loyola Illinois. Call it what you want. The Ramblers, six and a half point favorites over an Oregon State team that's kind of been the Cinderella story of the month of March. For me, I got to go with the Ramblers. Don't question it. And I'm surprised because the line hasn't really changed that much. I'm seeing some like BetOnline.ag has them as seven point favorites. Bavada sells them six and a half. So, yeah, that's interesting to see how those lines have shifted. Now I'm seeing, I just refreshed it again. So, yeah, they're actually now unanimous seven point favorites. Then we get to one of the other matchups, 415 tip over here. That won't be a 1037 game because by that time, we'll be out at the box for a big contest between LSU and Tennessee. But you'll have Villanova taking on Baylor. Currently, it opened up as a five and a half point line. It is now only eight. It's now eight points. Baylor currently the favorite over Nova. I go out on a big limb here, but give me Nova. Give me Jay Wright and crew putting the fear of God into them, and I say Villanova advances over number one ranked Baylor. Then we get to another matchup. Oral Roberts, Arkansas, get to your sports books now before 625. If you're listening to me and you're in a state that does legalize gambling, if not, make a trip over to Mississippi. Go do that. Twelve and uh, excuse me, eleven point favorites, according to Bavada, Pen Online, is eleven and a half. Like go go just throw down a bunch of money on Oral Roberts covering that massive eleven point spread. You will thank me later. I think Arkansas wins straight up, but against the spread, give me Oral Roberts covering. Because 11 points is probably absurd. And the fact that it hasn't dropped down any is insane. Syracuse-Houston, the nightcap. i got to go with the Orange winning this one. Every time they play in the postseason, anything can happen. This thing could they could flip the script in a New York minute. So six and a half point spread. The Houston Cougars are the favorites. Give me the dogs winning this one. We're talking about those orange dogs, the orange underdogs. They're going to win the, that one. They make it to the Elite Eight. Gonna be, that's going to be fun to see those two square off. Then we get to Sunday's contest. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Creighton, Gonzaga going to be opening things up. 110. Give me the Zags. 13.5 point favorites. I think they're going to roll. I think they do cover that spread. Then we get to Florida State, Michigan, probably one of the more intriguing matchups. And again, I was talk. I'm going to talk about UCL Alabama in a little bit. 
But Florida State Michigan is probably the most intriguing because again, it's a one of the lowest spreads outside of Oregon USC, and that's justifiably so. Two point two and a half point favorites are the Wolverines. Some have them as two points, but right now the one I mainly look at, Bavada, two and a half points. And I got to go with Michigan here. Michigan is a hot team, and like like a couple years ago, before you know Jawan Howard took over. I think Michigan is a team of destiny and is going to take some huge steps in the right direction and they're going to advance to the next round. And then they got to play ugh, UCLA, Alabama. Yikes. Winner of UCLA, UCLA, Alabama. I think I got to go with Alabama win this one. Six and a half point favorites. I think UCLA does cover, though. I'm not as confident as I was with Oral Roberts, but I got to go with them. Then Oregon-USC, the final matchup in the Sweet 16 tomorrow night, the nightcap. We'll have UCLA, Alabama, and Oregon-USC right here on 103.7. The game, not through the .com because, well, we can't do that. But you've got Oregon-USC currently two-point favorites are the Trojans. But I, I feel like I feel like the Mighty Ducks right now. I feel like just going ahead and starting the chant, just just play the chant right now. And sadly, I don't have a producer to say, oh, hey, play the chant. I've got to go ahead and pull up the chant from Mighty Ducks. And this, this is what happens. I can't quite, like, I have to type and talk and do all this hosting stuff. I need a, need a producer on this show, and I'm absolutely just looking forward to it. Quack, 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 quack. You gotta go with the Oregon Ducks getting it done against. I just feel like that's the way that thing is gonna go. The Oregon Ducks are going to win and advance to the Elite Eight. So man, Elite Eight goes like this: You've got Villanova, Arkansas, Syracuse. Gonzaga, Michigan, Alabama, Oregon. And my final four goes a little something like this. I think it's Alabama beating Michigan. I think it's going to be Gonzaga. I think it's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Arkansas. And it's going to be Syracuse. I feel like they are going to get to the final four this year. Absolutely have every chance to do so. So I can't wait to see what happens next. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's about all i got right here on what's going on with the state of college basketball. Yeah, we got that to look forward to. And we're going to send you to that momentarily. So have a great rest of your Saturday. Until next week, I'll talk to you when we come back. I'll be on Ben's show, Jordy's show. But hey, I'll be here with you next Saturday. Same time, same channel on a holy Saturday. Holy moly. Can't believe we're that much closer to Easter and we're that much closer to the Final Four. Good stuff. Take it easy. Talk to you later. Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's on! Oh, yeah! Kick it!